Auction price guides, what a minefield. It's hard enough in a normal market for buyers to gauge what a property is likely to sell for, but in a hot market, underquoting is even more rampant. Or is it the buyers who are at fault? If the seller's prepared to meet the market, right? If they're not prepared to meet the market, well then, and they want to hold out, well then there's a lot of risk involved in relation to trying to chase the price that they want uh, based on their own requirements, n- not the market. At the end of the day, you know, we can control so much of this process, but at the end of the day, a buyer will either give us the highest price or they'll walk away and find something else. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as Download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? The elephant in the room.com.au. Today we're going to look at the issue of underquoting from both sides of the coin. We all know that agents quote less than they hope a property will sell for and usually less than the vendor really wants, but why is this? And what happens when agents try to quote realistically? To help us get to the bottom of what's really going on behind the scenes, we're joined by Robert Clark, selling principal of Bell Property Annandale. Now, this episode was sparked when Robert sent me a text saying, do you think buyers are adding 20% to price guides now rather than the usual 10%? Now, this seemingly simple question reveals an uncomfortable truth about auction price guides. It's nothing but a guessing game, and buyers, unwittingly or otherwise, play their part in this game. Thanks for joining us today, Robert, to continue this meaty conversation. No problems at all. <laughs> Robert, I guess it's a really tricky one and a rampant problem at the moment, but is it the agent's fault or is it the system that we've built's fault? Look, I, I probably think it's a combination. Uh, at the moment, after selling in this area for a long, long time, this has been the trickiest market, I think, for pricing, um, trickiest market in relation to um, price guides or, or, or what the market is perceiving as a price guide on a property. So... Uh, normally it would be the agents obviously quoting within their 10% range. At the moment, though, I'm, I'm feeling that there are some lower price guides out there from agents. And um, from my research, it seems to be that the buyers are the indicators for buyers that they keep missing out on stock and they're having to bring overs uh, a lot more than what we've seen in a regular market. So probably a combination, I think. Do you think it's like an, an individual agent then though where there's a reputation around that agent that they are serial underquoters or they always underquote by a certain amount, i.e. 10%, um, or do you think that it's literally just everyone is kind of doing the same thing? Well, I, I think from my perspective, from the buyer's perspective, what the, the conversations that we're having, you know, they're coming to our open houses and we're giving a guide out that's probably a t- and, and obviously within our 10% range and they're going, oh, yeah, whatever, it's going to be 20 or 30% above um, and they're discounting the property. So I think agents know that that that's probably quite common out there at the moment. Um, and what I feel that we're seeing in the marketplace is some really low price guides because the agents are factoring the cost or probably the, the potential buyers of adding their 20 or 30%, where, as we know, in a regular market, we quote within a 10% range. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's tricky. It really it's is. tricky. Can you just take us through the process that an agent goes through to arrive at a quoted price? 
we um, arrive at quite a price within a 10% range based on comparable sales. So obviously at the moment when we are appraising a property and we are trying to work out pricing, we try to look at ones that have recently sold, ones that have sold within the same marketplace, um, which obviously with the lack of stock has been quite difficult. Um, but within that 10% range based on based on not what the agent thinks or what the vendor wants, but based on, on what's been happening in the marketplace. Um, most agents will quote obviously within that 10% range, the lower end of the range, and then you know obviously um, see what feedback we get from there and, and normally move guide up as you progress through and as you potentially get offers prior to auction. How, how does the sort of vendor interest sort of to win the client, you've got to, you know, I guess promise that or hope, give them an idea that you're going to be the best agent for the job um, and a lot of people will pick the agent and offers them the best money, I guess. Um and then you've got vendors that potentially think that it's worth more than what it's probably worth. How do you sort of deal with those sort of conflicts? Look, I, I think at the moment um, there's a lot of vendors out there that finally realise it's a probably a good time to sell, taking a little while for them to come on the market. But there's a lot of vendors out there with huge expectations. They are seeing auctions go for 30% above. And, you know, there's reports on you know every media about you know 500,000 above, 700,000 above. So there's there is a level of vendors out there that I think. Um, have want to jump on that sort of train, so to speak, and potentially, you know, uh, get a similar price. But yeah, it, it is tricky. Then the day it comes back to marketing, it comes back to to really um, positioning the property in the marketplace based on the recent sales. Uh, and, uh, we, we had a you know a, a left wing sale recently for two bedroom home in Annandale that sold for massive money, but I don't think that really reflects every two bedroom home in Annandale. Um, mm. You know that that if you look at the data from that property, you know vendors call me saying, "Gosh, does that mean that my house in Annandale is, is worth 1.9, <laughs> when all the stats are around 1.5?" Uh, um, mm. And so, so you got those vendors calling you now saying, "That's a great result, Rob," but that's what I want for my property now. I'm like, "Well, hold on." If you look at the data, and we look at the recent sales, and we look at you know a, a potential you know a potential sale that's uh, um, you know just two buyers happen to push the property up because they loved it well above reserve price. Uh, does that really reflect? on you know now a recent sale that every two bedroom can get that sort of price so so I, I think it's a it's a bit of a bit of a, um, a tricky one at the moment um, but it, it comes down to, for us you know making sure that we we um, appraise the property within a certain range based on the comparable comparisons not what the client wants really or that or that um, the agent really thinks it's worth it's a difficult one isn't it because some properties just have that x factor don't they Mm. And, you know, so you you sort of get a sense when you do the appraisal, you know, what's going to sell well, what isn't. And then you've got owners that are saying, well, I'll only list now if I'm going to get this crazy price. So then you're stuck, aren't you, in a really difficult bind because if you don't, as an agent, you don't sort of go along with the owner a little bit. You've got to sort of educate yeah. them but still go along with them a little bit because otherwise you won't get a listing. Another agent who will go along with them will get the listing. That's right. That's, that, I think that, that's correct. And then you've got the then the, the other thing about whether you price it at, you know, if a buyer does add their 30%, if, if that's if, if that's becoming more the norm, you know, yeah. you don't want, uh, vendors don't want to miss out on any buyers and have auctions that don't sell because no one shows up because, you know, the buyers think it's going to sell for way much more than what the vendor will take. 
Mm. You know, so, so I, I, I do think at the moment it's uh, there's some sales that are going crazy, and there are others mm. that are struggling to get to reserve price, and um, and I think there's there's really no rhyme or reason why. It just it's a very unusual market that I haven't seen for many many years about that where the buyers are out. There's a bit of frenzy out there from the buyers in relation to they want to purchase, but they're frustrated and they they go to two auctions that are that go for thirty percent over, and they think every property is going to go for thirty. So, yeah. so then, you know, if you add 30% on, onto proper price guides, then buyers aren't thinking, oh, that's not, not worth that. I, I don't see value in that. And then they disengage. Whereas, you know, we're saying to buyers on a color price, I've got, no, no, we, we're still, we're, we're quoting, our, our seller will sell within a 10% range of what we're quoting. You know, um, the buyers are coming and pushing it up because there's lack of stock and there's obviously there's this frenzy at the moment. And it's really difficult for buyers to know which agents are sort of giving them more of a level answer versus those that are just feeding them dialogue. And and I, I get frustrated as well because, of course, you know, yes, I have been a sales agent and I get and I speak the language. I read yep. a freaking book for God's sake on that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and they will still stare at me and they will say the same thing that they'll say to an uneducated buyer. And I'll just be scratching my head thinking, you guys just, you know, you just swallowed the dialogue book whole and that's all you talk, yep. you know. And so the oh the vendor will take it, blah, blah, blah. You know, I had a situation recently where actually a number of agents tell they were pulling their hair out because another agent was massively underquoting this house that seemed to be every single buyer was on. And yep. and some agents, as you know, you know, try to help their potential vendors buy secure properties. And one agent had actually been part of an offer that had put forward, which is well in excess of what they were quoting, and it was rejected. Mm. And there was supposedly a divorce in it, you know, all that sort of stuff. But the bottom line is it was rejected and they didn't increase their quoting. And the agent was, you know, was not making many friends as he was insisting sure that, oh, well, the vendors will sell for that lower price on the day because it has to sell. And so that's actually not the point. The point is that now you've had an offer that the vendors have rejected, you, by law, have to increase your quoting. Correct. And so there was all this sort of argy-bargy going on and in the end it went for oh, nearly a million dollars more than what they were quoting, which everyone knew was going to happen. And it's like, so look at the agent and go, why are you still fitting us this shit? (laughs) What is the rules there, Robert, though? Like we had a client, similar situation, uh, you know, there was a a house they were, you know, keen on. They offered a well above the price guide, even well over 10%, um, you know, 66W, ready to go. And the agent basically told them to run. Uh, I don't think they liked this buyer's agent, which was another problem in the story. (laughs) Basically, then they were saying, we have to upgrade your price, update your price guide. And he was like, well, I can't get in touch with the vendor. They're overseas. And kind of delayed that process for like three or four days as they ran around and sort of got lots of other buyers involved. Is there a time frame where they've got to, where you've got to basically update your price guide by if you've had that real strong offer? Well, I, I think if the offer is being rejected by the client and the client is gung-ho not wanting to sell prior um, and the offer has been presented to them uh, with the terms and conditions and they're not interested, well, then it needs to be done straight away. Um, at the end of the day, you know, if, if they rejected a certain price, well, then you've got to build a campaign now from that price upwards. But the, once again, the neg- negative with that is that if, if that's the case and then the buyer, you know, then you increase your price guide still within, you know, the vendor will sell in the 10% range and the buyer adds 30% on top of the new price guide. Mm. You know, well then you, you know you potentially lost your buyers for for your vendor as well. 
Here's the rub. It doesn't happen all the time like that. I've been it involved. Doesn't, it doesn't, but there's certain agents that do it and there's certain – it's like with you, Veronica, and there's certain relationships of people that you get along with and, and you trust, you work with, um, and there's certain buyers agents that, that we know um, you know, don't play by the rules too and, and don't, I suppose, give us honest pricing as well mm-hmm. and, and yeah. they work with us as well in relation to trying to help their client and our client too. And that's what it's about, right? In the day, our job's about marrying the clients together um, and making sure both parties are happy and, and you know, and basically – uh, content with the sale um so yeah i i i, I do agree it uh it, at the moment there are offers coming out um that are quite strong and vendors are wanting to go to auction they're choosing to pro- progress through because they can see the level of con- contracts that are out or they can see the level of engagement because we're getting you know some some open houses are getting 50 groups through groups of people like it's <laughs> phenomenal <laughs> you know, it's 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 and, and the vendors can see the the level of interest out there, and the media is another thing too. The media hype it up about you know the market's still going to go ten or twenty percent, mm. um, you know, and, and so vendors think, okay, well, why would I take this, Rob? Why don't I just see what happens on the day? Because only one person can purchase at the end of the day, with yeah. the lack of stock, you know, and and you know, fifty people through one open house, you know, there's got to be a few buyers there that are prepared to um to bid on the day. So yeah, I, I, I think at the moment there, I mean, I, we we see. Every day, and I, I track a lot about price guides and where they where they first initially are starting at, and basically where they finish at, and what the result is. So we can feed that back to our client by saying, "Look, you know, th- this is what's happening in the marketplace in the last seven days, mm. because the last seven days is what we look at. I don't look at anything <laughs> below that because it's changing every day. So I look at the last seven auctions that have happened in my area and look at where it started, where it finished, how many bidders are there. So then we can educate our clients and the buyers by saying, "Look, you know, not everything is going to go thirty percent over." You know, sometimes it's out of our hands if it goes thirty percent over. Sometimes the agents are quoting too low, so it is in there. You know, there there is some some issue there with them. You know, so I I think at the moment it's a bit of a mixed bag. What do you see, Veronica? You see that similar or different? Yeah, exactly the same. We track it as well. Interestingly for us, though, we only track properties that we recommended to clients and we've done the due diligence on. And so whether we buy them or we don't buy them, yep. I'm only really tracking A-grade properties. So therefore, everything's competitive, everything, because these are good properties. And of course, they're competitive. They're competitive in slow markets. And But what I'm finding interesting, and I see a lot of competition for crap as well, right? And so the, the, le- the level of discernment that buyers have in a hot market is greatly diminished. You know how picky they are in a slow market, Robert. Um, And, you know, now they're just jumping over hoops to buy anything, any piece of crap that they wouldn't even look twice at. They wouldn't even inspect in a slow market. But I'm interested that you mentioned about some properties are struggling to get reserve. So what is it, you know, are you able to sort of to, I guess, identify any trends with the sorts of properties that might be more likely to struggle even in this market? Look, you know, in in a, in a heated market like this, you know, a house on a busy road or a house that has, you know, West Connects attached to it or a, a property that probably doesn't have a great building and pest inspection is still selling well in this marketplace. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the, the houses that sell well in a, in a market that's tough are, are the ones on nicer streets that are, you know, the, the, the prize properties, like you said, the ones that are going to sell in any market, right? They're going to sell, regardless of the market, there's going to be, you know, a big block of land, flat land, it's going to appeal to families, good street, good location, good school catchment. So those houses will sell regardless of the marketplace. Mm. The ones at the moment that, that that vendors know they're tricky houses to sell and realize that there's an opportunity there yeah. because they are on a busy road or, or they're in a, you know, position potentially that, that may 
in a different market and maybe very hard for them to sell. Yeah. Um, you know, houses under flight paths are coming on the market big time at the moment, right? And Stanmore, <laughs> you know, and Tempe. Like, and, you know, we, 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 all, we all know why, right? So, you know, those clients are seeing an opportunity that before those jumbos come back, you know, let's list our properties. So you see an influx of stock of those sorts of houses that um, are selling are selling okay or much better than they, they would in a different market. Yeah. It's interesting. I think um, the price guide problem, uh, a friend of the family literally sold their property last night. I don't know exactly what it sold for. You haven't heard, but uh, I'll change all the numbers so there's no connection. But <laughs> let's say it was the price guide was say 2 to 2.3, right? Um, well, that would that would auction. be against the law in New South Wales because it Correct. can't be more yeah. than ten percent over the bottom end. So it'd be two to two point two. Okay, so it's at two point two point two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the reserve was say two point five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it was dramatically above the price guide. How is that sort of legal? I guess. Well, the vendor has a you know I've got one at the moment, for example, and the, the vendor was in line with the price guide, but then they missed out or what they want to purchase, for example, on the on the mm-hmm. eastern suburbs and North Shore is going twenty percent over. So of course they think, okay, I need more money on my house in order to secure something else because the market's going mad. So they put a, a price, you know, they give us a reserve that's well above what we first discussed. So mm. you know we, we're seeing we're seeing that as well, where the vendors, you know. You know, seeing what they want to purchase go up and up and up, and realize, okay, gee, I can't afford can't afford that now. I need an extra couple of hundred grand. So what am I going to do? I'm going to see if mm. I can. I'm going to put the reserve higher on, on on my property to try and bridge the gap. So they could say that it's you know the last minute, the day before the auction, the reserve was set, or even just before the auction, uh, and that's based on that that circumstances is which has changed from when we originally set the price guide. Correct. Or, or, or it's changed because they've either missed out on something, right? So now their motivation for selling isn't as high because they mm. they think, oh, well, look, I'll just put a really high reserve on it. If I sell it, I'm a no, no need to sell now. I don't want to be out of the market before I buy something. So I'm scared of being out of the market. Now I've missed out on this property. So, you know, I'm happy to wait or, uh, you know, or, or they, you know, they see in the marketplace they're moving into that they need more money. So they're, mm. they're attaching their expectations on their purchase, which in the, the day, Whatever they want to buy has no recollection or, or no reflection on, <laughs> on, on 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 the selling price, but they mm. they don't understand that you know that because they're not correlated. <laughs> it's, it's not correlated exactly. So so th- there's a little bit of that. I've got one at the moment that's a little bit like that. The motivation isn't there because they've missed out a few times, and 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 that that's proving to be difficult because you know we're, they're a seller at one point, then you get to reserve price, and and they see the market go up, and they now need that they need mm. you know they need more money to make the deal work. This is really interesting because the thing is that then then they're in an interesting position and the agent's in an interesting position because, of course, you know that you would have built the maximum amount of competition for their auction and it's like as soon as they let that go, they are in a position where they're not necessarily going to get that same competition again or people have a moment to to think and reflect on the property well, and what they're prepared to pay. Yep. I, I heard this fantastic story, and I'll change the numbers mainly because I can't remember the exact numbers, but I heard this from an agent just this week, <laughs> right? So this guy says to me, <laughs> I had this property going to auction, you know, he's quoting, it was a few million. So, so let's say he was quoting $3 million and, um, but it was not perfect at that even at that price point um, and, so he had five bidders at the at the auction, which is not huge in this market, and one of them was stronger than all the others. And so bidding got up to say it got up to three point four, and he worked that buyer and got another three hundred thousand out of them. And 
the vendor then said, no, nah, that's not enough. Push, 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 push. <laughs> the, in the end, the agent's gone back to the buyer and said, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to ask you for any more. You know, you've, you've, I can't ask you for any more, basically. The buyer's gone off. The vendors on Monday decided, oh, yeah, that was probably a dumb thing to do. Um, so he comes back, says, I'll take you off now. He goes, no. Yep. piss off basically so then they start dropping oh how about i'll take 100 grand less what about 200 grand less what about 300 <laughs> grand less yeah. and in the end the buyer said no you insulted me i've had time to think about it. i'm not buying your property that's right <laughs> yeah yeah and, and we've listened to that before the older buyer says yeah i'll buy it but i'll, I'll pay you 300 grand less yeah and what i did in the day and the vendors mm. in that decision or oh, do, do they take that to, to move on knowing that they've shot themselves in the foot not taking it on the weekend mm. you know or, or or do they you know have humble pie and decide to have another campaign well that's the problem with the other campaign isn't it it's the property looks a little bit stale why didn't it sell there's all these questions that buyers start to it might be just you know it wasn't the right time there's a lot of other stock on the market it might have been consumer confidence or something at that point but Relisting a property doesn't usually get as good a result as the first time unless the market moves. I'm remembering, Robert, I'm remembering an example of this in Carlisle Street, Leichhardt. Do you remember that house? Oh, yes, the Terrace House. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I do. Do you want to tell the story? We'll give no names, no street numbers. (laughs) You can tell it. I'm sure your memory is better than mine. You can correct me if I if I stray. So this was a, a woman that I knew um, sort of socially and she'd asked me for some advice on selling her property and I, and she wanted a very big price for it. And it, it, the property was very impressive from the street but not so from once she walked in the front door and a bit of a disappointment really. And um, so I said to her at that point, look, and the market wasn't very strong. I said, you've really got to be ready to meet the market otherwise you know, you're going to run a campaign, you're going to expose the property and you're going to take it off the market and that actually won't be good for the property. So she, I recommend that she listed with Robert. She listed, um, you've got one strong buyer on it and if memory serves me correctly, because I asked you afterwards, did you get an offer out of that buyer? And you said you took sort of dollars but you didn't actually push it for an offer because you knew that the vendor had expectations that were way in excess of that and way in excess of what you'd, you'd recommended. And and so that property was withdrawn. It comes on with another agent, an out-of-area agent, um, maybe a year later, and I go along to the auction just to see what happens and I see you there and I see you there with this woman and you're bidding for her. And that woman ended up being the highest bidder and then going in and negotiating and buying it for less money than she had actually been prepared and the sort of dollars you were talking a year earlier. Uh, you know, that, and that was just an appalling auction for other reasons and, and that's me observing the way in which that other auctioneer and, that, and those other agents ran that auction was, was, had lots of issues but anyway, that's beside the point. Yep. But so your buyer ends up buying it. But not only that, the agent, um, there's a clause in most contracts that basically says that the buyer warrants that they've only been introduced to the property by one agent. And yeah, by the actual, you know, listed agent at the time. And I don't think there was a clause in that contract by the sounds of it, because you actually, you know, quite rightly went in for your commission and she had to pay both agents a commission. So... (laughs) But, you know, that, that ran a campaign, it, it didn't sell, it came back, it, it ran another campaign and it, and it was tarnished and the same buyer still bought it. I thought that was quite a fascinating story. Did I get anything wrong? Did I miss anything? 
No, exactly right. And and you know the vendor was just you know wasn't prepared to meet the market on the day. You know, and I said to a client last week, every house will sell if the, the seller is prepared to meet the market, right? Mm. If they're not prepared to meet the market, well then, and they want to hold out, well then there's a lot of risk involved in relation to trying to chase the price that they want uh, based on their own requirements, n- not the market. At the end of the mm. day, you now we can control so much of this process, but then the day a buyer will either give us the highest price or they'll walk away and find something else. So, Robert, there's a client bought last week, and I don't want to keep saying changing the numbers, but <laughs> it's important at the moment because you can very easily find these sales. But, yep. um, you know, let's say the price guy was, you know, same again, 2 to 2.2. 2 to and the client said to me, look, you know, I'm not going to use a buyer's agent. I like negotiating and I'm going to give it a crack myself. And they said, look, we're going to offer 2.25, so slightly above oh the price yep. guide. It's actually uh, amplified because it was much more than 2 mil. And I was thinking in my head, oh, it's pretty optimistic. You know, they actually will be expecting a lot more than that. And she said, oh, no, um, you know, they, the agents you know, said that it's a re- very realistic price guide and they're looking to sell. And I'm in my head, she's not going to get this property. Anyway, next day I get a contract in my inbox and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's pretty much what she offered. And <laughs> I was just – and so how does that sort of play out in this market where someone's basically bought it, you know, within the price guide – and it's going to auction and most people will be thinking 10 to 20% over, which is sort of what we're talking about today. Yep. You know, you must think what's happened there. Has the agent potentially over-promised or have they gone with an agent that has realistic price guides? Because if you do that in the, in the market, you're the agent that always prices realistic, then you're going to lose a lot of buyers because all the other agents are going to, you know, underquote, you know, 10%. So, you know, what do you think sort of happened there? Do you think it's just the agents maybe overpromised and it hasn't sold as hot. Look, I, I'm uh, my background's always been auctions and uh, running a good auction. I believe that uh, around the auction process and around having the transparency around it. Um, there's other agents that will just uh, churn the stock, will just you know, list it and just try and sell it quickly um, and try mm. and get it out the door and don't want to work on a, four, a whole four week campaign. And I've just had one recently where you know. We, we basically got 300 grand more by going to auction, but I could have easily sold it within the guide. The vendor was in line with the guide, but we had other people that were emotionally attached that we knew that were interested that, that I thought that were, I knew that were going to potentially, you know, be good bidders for our client. Um, a lot of agents probably wouldn't look at that. They probably just want to look at the transaction. I would say potentially mm-hmm. and just get it sold. You, you know, if the vendor's happy, you know, not probably exceeding the market price and not exceeding, I suppose, other buyers um, and then just sell it, not call anyone. And then we get calls, you know, from buyers saying, gosh, I, I missed out on this property up the road. The agent didn't even call me. I had a contract. Mm-hmm. I had a building and pest. I had to change it to contract and, and they just sold it without even getting back to me. So, you know, for a price I would have paid, um, you know, or, or they, may, they tried to make, get me to put it on a contract within two hours, unconditional, and I wasn't ready and, you know, made it very difficult for me to purchase it. So I think because of the way the stock levels are at the moment, there's a few agents out there that carry a lot of stock um, and that have, you know, big numbers. And literally, they if you look at their numbers, they very rarely run anything to auction. Um, yeah. they, they really, within two weeks, just wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. This is very interesting, and and this is one of the things that we talk about in our office all the time is a certain dialogue that sets us off that we know what's going to happen. And in a slower market, 
similarly, these agents or most agents would actually identify they've only got one really interested party or one clearly more interested than everyone else. They'll actually orchestrate or we call it manufacture a pre-auction offer. And and there's certain dialogue they use to create FOMO to actually flush out an offer out of these people, right? And this is, there are certain agents, and I spoke to a principal of a sort of a multi-office business a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to him about the way some of his agents are running these campaigns. And he said, he said, he was so he said, I'm really frustrated. He says, some of them, they just don't trust the auction process. You know, they get in there and they start trying to make it happen. And that's for us a hallmark of a volume agent, somebody who really just churns and burns, right? Yep. And so they can help more people, as I've heard many of them say, we can help more people this way. Actually, no, you're just helping lining your own pockets. But that's right. The the thing that buyers don't understand, and in fact, a lot of buyers agents don't understand this stuff either. You know, they're not actually attuned to the difference. And so like in that example that Chris just gave where the property sold to the client who didn't use a buyer's agent within a very small amount of money away from their their guide, it could have been a garbage property that they were the only interested party. You know, they are thinking they're lucky. You know, but the agent is going, thank God they showed up, Mm. you know, and that still can happen in this market and they won't know the difference. Whereas we actually educate our clients as to what's good, what's not good, what's going to be easy to buy and why, and what's going to be difficult to buy and why. But then there's the, then the next layer of this is, well, when we're setting up our strategy for do we try to buy it prior to auction or do we go to auction is like, well, what's the agent likely, what's their modus operandi, what are they about to do? And I've got another one at the moment. Literally just last night, Camilla rings me and says, oh, the agent called me, they've got an offer. I said, interesting, has the vendor accepted that offer? No. You know, it's the fishing offer. Yeah. It's the it means bait. nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, tell us tell us what's happening there, uh, Robert, from an agent's point of view. Yeah, yeah look, I, I, I think that's the case sometimes. Um, I, I think there are some, obviously, you know, it's, in this market, buyers aren't going to give you, and buyers agents too, aren't going to give you an idea where the client's at, you know, or, or, or where, where they see value because obviously they're working for their client and obviously buyers are out there, you know, to get it for as, as you know, as cheap as they can so they're going to just close their hand. So some agents will try and, you know, bait the interested parties, particularly if they've, got minimal interest in the property or they feel there's a standout buyer and there could be this one standout buyer that's probably, you know, it could be 10% above everybody else based on on their engagement with the agent. Um, then, you know, the vendor might then get a bit worried and say, okay, look, I think we should potentially start to look at look at offers um, or, or, or look at where, where, where everybody is at as we progress through to auction. If if we're, you know, if we find that there's minimal, minimal interest, my, in my experience, you know, I, th- I think if you run a good sales campaign and all the buyers are, are in the same line and, and using the same comparisons and really that they're happy to come to auction, they believe it's more transparent. They believe that, you know, if, if you have to sell prior, there's obviously other methods that agents use to obviously flush out other offers with other contract holders, you know, to make sure it's fair for every every contract holder to put a bid in if it sells prior, you know. So that there's there's all, all those things to consider as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's it, – it, that method was happening a lot, I think, in a slower market where sometimes we only have one buyer on a property. You know, the last, you know, 18 months, the market's been tough and, and you know, the vendor had maybe secured something else or they were they were, mm. they were going through a divorce. So they were like, guys, we've got to sell this property. You know, we, the, 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 we, we can't have this pass in. We, we need to, you know, secure something else. So I think in this market, it's probably having a little bit less 
I would say. Do you think Veronica or not? Oh, yeah, it's totally happening less because, you know, buyers are just sort of so thankful that there's no other interest. <laughs> and I'm just saying, don't be thankful. You will not be yeah. thankful one day when you go to sell that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I agree. If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. Yeah, we had a client a couple of weeks ago uh, selling a place in Surrey and because they were upgrading and uh, you know, they had a solid offer prior to auction and you know, maybe they should have run it to auction. There was at least more than one buyer. and But it's the week or two that they were going to be out of the market because they had to sell before they they bought uh, meant that they actually bought two weeks earlier this next place um, in Ramwick sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so that two weeks meant a lot to them because if they were two weeks later, they would have potentially missed this next purchase and then yep. they're back in the market and maybe it's two months. Or So what are some of the other reasons why, you know, just to give sort of buyers confidence that, prop, you know, sales are still happening prior to auction, um, you know, even, you know, good properties because of time for the sellers important or pre-market or off-market, you know, are you still seeing that, you know, even good properties aren't going to auction because of, you know, the vendor's, you know, needs, I guess? I think so. At the end of the day, but, you know, our, our loyalty and our, our job is to work for the client. We get paid by the client. We need to find out what their requirements are. We need to, you know, to, 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 to work with, with, with their timeline. We need to, you know, be their guidance in relation to, um, how to how to best meet their needs, and and every client has different needs subject to their own condition. Um, you know, so obviously it's not one standard. We don't find in our office not one standard rule for everything. It will depend on yeah. You know, what's the client after? What are their needs? What are their requirements? And and um and we need to build a campaign around that based on on, on what they want. Either that's their property. Uh, hmm. They have the final decision. Our job's a marketing role, really, and to market the property and deliver the market to them, and then they can make a, a decision which way they want to go. Um, you know, some I find some clients are the husband wants to sell, the wife wants to sell prior because she's stressed out. The husband wants to go to auction. You know, so you know the husband's saying, you know, don't take offers. Let's go to auction. The wife's like, oh look, I'd just rather get this over with. I don't want anyone through the house. You know, and they, and they don't communicate. So we have a lot of that where we're like, okay, guys, we need to work out. You know. What is the plan? Like, what are you hoping to, you know, to achieve? And 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 what what is your timeline? Because ultimately, you know, um, some clients are on a tight deadline, or are going through a divorce that you don't know about, or are going through something that's really really awkward, and and they and they just want a transaction. They're not so worried about achieving the best result. They're really looking to to to, to, to just to offload. You know, so I, I think it's a mixed bag. I think at the moment, though, there's a, a lot of clients have have high expectations because they see the media. And as we know, mm. you know, we're followed by the media. The media on the morning television says the market's going to fall by 10% and the open houses are quiet. They say the market's going to go up by 5% and we've got 50 people at the door. <laughs> you know, so mm. a, a market's driven by, by, by media and, and, that, and that ascertains those vendors that come out of the woodwork that would only sell if you get them 30% over. So, and they wouldn't sell in a normal market. No. And then, and I always wonder then, I said, what, do you have a plan for the money? It's like, that's all good, but now what are you going to do? It's, uh, yeah. it's all about. Where are you going to buy? Yeah, the dollars. But I think it's fairly well documented that there's a shortage of listings. And one of the reasons for that is that people 
don't know what their next step would be, you know, because obviously there's a shortage of listings. So it's the spiral. And that's why I suppose um, you guys are busy as buyers agents now, I suppose, because the, people can't get access to stock. We've probably got, you know, five or six properties signed up, ready to go, but obviously they, they don't want to sell them until they buy. But what yeah. they want to purchase, they can't find. So mm. it's a double-ended sword, right? So they obviously we're utilising you guys to say, you know, because you have access to more stock, you have access to, to, to different marketplaces, different marketplaces that potentially they wouldn't look at normally, but mm. under having a, someone as a guidance may look at different suburbs, which may open themselves up to more stock. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of buyers spend years chasing the wrong property in the wrong location. Yeah. They just don't educate themselves well enough around what they, their possibilities are and we do have a whole process. What they can afford. Yeah. And, of yeah, course, that, yeah, well, yeah. that's a movable feast in a market like this, though, isn't it, what you can afford? Because prices are going up daily. But they are. And, like, when we first started a campaign based on, like, this, that that's an example I gave you before where we we had a much higher reserve because they missed out on properties. That's a fine example. That There was good data to show that at, at that within the 10% range there were sellers based on what they could buy. But with a month later down the track, you know, the market has moved so much in the marketplace they wanted to move to outside of the area they're currently living in that mm-hmm. they were scared to sell their property within, within the 10% range that they first agreed to do based on the comms. Um, um, based on yep. what they want to purchase, but they can't now find. So they're like, oh, God, we don't want to be out of the market, so let's put a high reserve on it and wait until something else comes up. And then and run the risk of getting less money for their house. <laughs> so, well, exactly. Yeah. As we always say, you know, the, the chance of selling for – for more after auctions, hardly anything. Mm. You know, the best chance of selling is prior to here on the day. So, mm. you know, uh, th- th- there is a couple of vendors out there at the moment that, that you know, that uh, they're not selling not based on the market. They're just selling because of their unexpectations on what they want to purchase. They, just, they really can't afford really the next step up because of it's moved so much further. Well, wishful thinking, let's face it, you know, dominates so much of our property thinking anyway. But, you know, I, I, in the past, I mean, I, we have definitely picked up properties after auction um, where you've had a scenario like that where and then suddenly they are motivated because they find something and those other buyers, their top buyers, you know, have gone. They bought something else or they've changed their mind or they've had a time to think about it. Mm. So we have done that in the past. We've actually been at auction for properties. Uh, we've watched the fact that you've got a vendor that's out of control on price that is not motivated because for whatever reason their purchase has fallen through or, or they haven't found anything. And so they're like, well, no, 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 I don't want to sell because I'm worried about being out of the market. Then all of a sudden their motivation changes dramatically when they do find something or when they do buy something and all of a sudden they're desperate to buy. And that can even happen in a warm market, in a hot market. Correct. uh, Where we've actually picked up property afterwards for less money than, you know, got to on the day or we were prepared to. We were prepared to pay even. And look, it doesn't often happen, but it does happen. And because vendors fail, they're so focused on their need at that minute rather than their big picture and and what's the whole process. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. I guess, um, you know, let's, let's just sort of recap. The, the issue that we've got at the moment with underquoting, and, and literally I was had a journalist call me yesterday, you know, about underquoting, I said, and I said, look, the problem is, like you say, if you don't quote at a, a sort of a, there's the magic number or the magic percentage under really where it's probably going to go to or where buyers perceive value, then you are going to get buyers 
adding too much to the guide and saying, no, I'm not interested in the property at that price. And so the biggest challenge for, for agents really is trying to work out what's that magic number? What's that figure that I can quote whilst maintaining my legal uh, obligations Correct. and my professional obligations, yeah. but I don't ruin the sales campaign for the vendor? And also too, you know, you don't lose your credibility in the marketplace where buyers are coming through going, oh, you know, yeah, you, that's a low quote or, you know, that they, they, they're throwing, you know, obviously um, mm. banter at you because mm. you're, you're quoting at a certain price by, and, they, and they're the buyers that will probably add 10%, right? But not mm. the buyers that will add 30 Yeah. So, so they're the realistic buyers out there that, that you know, that, that, that are trying to find that property within that 10% and the, the guides, you know, and – a lower and yeah, it's, it's definitely an issue. And also too, we've got competition stock at the moment too, which I think is an issue too. So when we come on the market, we might say, okay, this is our guide from when we sum yeah. up three weeks down the track. We had the photos taken online. We realised there's an identical property up the road with another agent quoting fifty or hundred thousand less than our agency. <laughs> yes, that's what's going to be my next question for you, Robert. Is is how does the actual competition for that property? You know, because it changes over the campaign. Yeah. When you first list it, there may be nothing. And then, you know, even a couple of days before the auction on the Tuesday or something, you know, a cracker comes on the market that, you know, gives all their buyers a, a different property. They've been dying to get into that street, but they've been going for this one because it's their best on the market. And How does that all sort of really play out through an auction campaign where it can really affect your sort of pricing of the property? I think it comes down to the relationship you've got with the buyers. Um, the time that we spent with them, the conversations we had with them, the private appointments we had with them to to, show, mm. to to justify price, to justify the market, to you know hopefully forward think you know what the market's going to be like in the next two or three weeks because that that's how much it's, it's quick moving so fast. Um, opportunities out there, you know, and and being I suppose. If those we have a lot of buyers that miss out with us, and then we can transfer them to other properties because they know us, they trust us, and they know yeah. we've given the right advice. So it's easy for us to say, "Okay, well, you missed out on this one, but we've got something else. We'll show you." You know, and they're happy to to, to work with us. Um, I think if you don't have the trust with the buyers, or well, there's no relationship there, and and you really don't, you know, some agents don't have that. I think it's it's very very difficult. Um, but I think if you can justify your your reasoning by by your guide based on the comms or based on the location or based on what you believe is going to happen, well then um, that's that's the, the the ethical way to go, and I think better way to go for the client as well. Um, but but I but it does have issues if you if other competitors that we know in my marketplace quite really <laughs> low. Yeah. Um, you know, historically low. Every property comes up, it's like, or they don't quote at all. You know, other competitors in my marketplace have no uh, quote at all, and they yeah. give recent sales that are five hundred thousand, and just say, well, here's some other properties that have no correlation to the property at all, but just other properties, um, and don't guide at all. And then the buyers go, well, I've been looking at mine down the road, Rob. They won't even tell you what what the guide is. We're like, oh well, this is the reasoning why they don't want a guide. You know, so. Uh, that's becoming a little bit awkward too at the moment because those agents are scared to put a price guide on because they don't know. Mm. You know, interestingly enough, I had a client come to me with a property that they were really keen on and they said, you know, we want to engage you to help us evaluate this property. And then like literally sent them off the paperwork, the agency agreement, and they called me back and said, oh, don't worry, we don't have time because the agents just called me to tell me that there's an offer on it and it's going to sell really quickly. I don't have time to engage you. I'm just going to have to go for it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you can do that if you want, but do you know what you're doing? And it's like, well, no. And in the, in the end, they engaged me. And I went, because the thing is, the way that that offer was um, 
put forward to you makes it sound to me like they're fishing. And um, so I call the agent. I don't tell him I'm acting for anyone in particular. I just called and have a bit of a chat about it. And sure enough, you know, he was fishing. And and I said, I'm curious because I noticed on the ad that he didn't have an auction. He had the auction date but no time and venue. And I said, I'm really curious why you don't have a time and a venue on your ad for the auction. And he says, oh, well, just between you and me, I signed up eight that day for that day and I don't have enough auction slots so I've got to sell a few of them. (laughs) And so we went back. Now, ultimately we didn't end up buying that property for different reasons but I went back to the client and I said, this is why, you know, this is how they (laughs) create FOMO. You thought you are going to be buying that thing within 48 hours and, in fact, there was no other buyer on it. The, the agent had signed up eight listings and he didn't have eight auction right. auction slots. So this stuff does happen in the background and it's it buyers it don't sure. know. They get fed these lines and, and you know, they get they get taken along for a ride. Robert, have you got a property Dumbo for us? Look, my property Dumbo basically is, is in relation to buyers. I, I think buyers are sheeps. They all follow each other. They don't they don't stand out in the crowd. If you if you look at what we tried to sell during COVID, right? We there were some great properties available, but nobody wanted to buy. Mm. They thought the market was going to fall lower. You know, there were there, there were some really good houses to purchase and, and really good yeah. conditions to buy on, but nobody wanted to because they were told that everything's going to fall lower and lower. Um, mm. It's the same situation now is that that properties that haven't gone to auction, uh, for example, one that I've got there hasn't got to, um, a sale in it and it's gone back on the market for sale with a price, the vendor's coming down. Now there's no urgency there. It's definitely a marketplace. We're getting good contracts out, but buyers are like, oh, well, no, um, let me know if you, if you get an offer on it and I might make an offer. Um, mm. No one wants to jump on it until someone else wants to jump on it rather than go, would well, you like it? Make me an offer and I'll take it to the client. Yeah, the client's mm. you know, expectation much higher at auction based on the, what they wanted to purchase. And that's now gone. They've seen something else they want to buy, so they've come down X amount of dollars. So it's definitely based on the sales that, you know, they've happened. It's a market. Oh, well, I like it, but I'm looking at that auction. Or if you get another offer, definitely keep me informed. You know, so um, they're all following each other to to work out, you know, what to do rather than go, okay, look, I like it. I want to, here's my offer. I want to take it to the client. There's an opportunity there. Um, but now they're dilly dallying around or dancing around it because there's no urgency there. Social proof. Social proof. Exactly. <laughs> that is, that is the key, right? Everyone wants to buy something somebody else wants to buy, you know, yeah. when someone goes to auction and the only buyer, they feel they've got the control, then they pack out. They go, well, hold on. Why am I the only one here? What's wrong with the mm. house? My overpaying, blah blah, but they see someone else there or, or five other buyers there, then then they're more likely to, to, to go much higher based mm. on that. Then it doesn't sell at auction and it's a really good house. There's no issue with building and pests, you know, everything else is fine with it. But now there's yeah, there's no that, that now there's no social proof that, that it's now taking longer to sell. So it's, it's so really true. interesting. It's really interesting that, that they won't act on it, but they were before, uh, at a similar price, but the vendor wanted more. You know, <laughs> and now they go, oh, I'm not sure now. Like, well, you liked it before, but when it was in that price range. Yeah. You know, so th- that's, a, that, that, that's a dumbo, I think, from the buyer's Yeah, I think the, the worrying thing for a lot of buyers at the moment, just going through sort of pre-approvals, is a lot of buyers are giving up because it's just all a bit too hard for them at the moment. Um, and they've been looking for, you know, three months. They were potentially looking prior to Christmas and, you know, their results really, um, you know, the market's obviously moved so much and they're going, well, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to wait for more listings, et cetera, like that. So yep. and that's the real sort of a worry for buyers at the moment is they're giving up because they're getting blown out at auction. Price guides are, 
you know, scaring them, I guess. And now they're just saying, well, that's it. I'm out of the market. And yeah. uh, that's not going to be a, a great outcome either. Well, so well, I suppose, when I spoke to Veronica the other day, I spoke to two uh, mortgage brokers that I know really well. And I asked the same question I asked Veronica about, you know, what are you giving when you're doing a loan approval for a client? What advice are you giving? And they're saying, oh, 30%. Must must take thirty percent on top of your on loan. So even from the before they start looking at the marketplace, before they've been to any auctions, before they've been to any opens, the buy, the, the, the brokers out there are preliming into these buys that they've got to bring thirty percent. And I said, mm-hmm. I said I said to them, I said you are forcing the agents to go low on their price guides because of that advice because they, they, they have nowhere to go. You know, mm. they have nowhere to go based on buys that are already. Uh, not even coming to auction, not even coming to opens and listen to the agent, they listen to the broker by saying, oh, you've got to bring 30% over. That, and that's the, the problem. That's and the, the problem. blanket advice is always a problem because, blanket. as you said earlier on, you know, not all properties are going way over and not all agents are under-quoting. And I think this is the big challenge for buyers to and, – and because they're sheep in, in many cases is to follow the crowd and go oh, just add slavishly 20% or whatever instead of actually making their own analysis and making their own decision. And Correct. it's a really good point. Yep, I reckon too. It's, it's a real key thing for them working out, yes, they're scared of overpaying, but at the end of the day, if you know, if they like a property, it's in the budget with what they want and, you know, and they looked at it a little while ago within that same budget, you know, because the urgency of the auction is gone, that's the best thing I suppose for an agent is that you have that urgency. Once the urgency is gone, it's much, much harder to get back. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think the interesting thing we're doing with buyers, I mean, we don't ever say, you know, 30% or anything that. I mean, we do obviously try to educate them on price guides, usually under and for the reasons why they're under, you know, creating competition, et cetera. Yep. Um, I think what we're trying to do with buyers at the moment is, uh, you know, get them up to speed on 2021, not 2020, um, yeah. if they're new to the market. Um, but the people who have been looking for, you know, 2020, giving them confidence to say that, you know, that prices aren't just all about all of a sudden going to go back to like it was pre-Christmas, you know, because of low rates and kind of getting a bit creative with them on their borrowing capacity and what they can afford and their interest rate and fixing and et cetera um, and looking at ways to potentially make them comfortable with high borrowing capacities basically, um, paying LMI, you know, potentially yep. stretching for quality properties and, finding sweet spots and moving markets, et cetera. I think that's where good brokers are adding a lot of value now is that education around what you can do with loans um, rather than sort of, you know, trying to get into the buyer's agent space and start saying, mm. Look, this is how you play the market because that's so dangerous because it's such a case-by-case, market-by-market, property-by-property you know, we have yeah. a lot of buyers that are pulling away from the market. You have a lot of buyers that are saying, I don't want to pay 20% over. I don't want to pay 10 roll. You know, I don't, I don't want to pay 30%. I'm like, well, you haven't got to pay 30%. Yes, I do. Other properties. I'm like, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's, you've got to look at case by case, you know, yeah. uh, and, and agent by agent. And, and, and like you said, looking at the, the, the data that's just happened. The, the thing is with, 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 um, uh, financiers, though, they're the first port of call, right? At the end of the day, when someone wants to buy a property or refinance, they go to them first. You know, yeah. they normally then come to us and they'll go to Veronica, right? So by the time Veronica gets to see them, you know, they've already been through a few auctions and a bit, I suppose, a bit disheartened, I would say. So, Veronica, and, and then they're, they're looking for <laughs> yeah. advice. They're looking for professional advice. They're happy to, you know, um, have it. Looking, looking for the magic cure. That's right. That's right. Because that they, they're so confused about how it's sort of tracking, um, and that's why most of the buyers agents I'm speaking to are so busy at the moment because buyers are seeing value with getting that advice and and getting that 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 advice not just from their mortgage broker or from the dodgy agent that's going to give them you know a low price guide just to get them in the door, knowing that they can never afford to buy the property. It is a challenge because there's 
there's uh, the whole property space is unregulated, and as you can see, mortgage brokers are giving advice on properties and on pricing, and they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't. And they, 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 but they do it because they can, and they're encouraged to actually by by the likes of CoreLogic as well, because then they go in and sell them those yeah. those AVMs and say, "Here, you can use this as a pre- as a as a sales tool." So, you know, they're encouraged to with the data they're given there, they're empowered to, and and the buyer at that point of time, and often that is the only advice that buyers are relying on, and that is mortgage brokers' advice. Correct. So, that's right. The, Luck is whether they get a good one who gets it, or and the odds of that are very, 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 very slim. And also, uh, too, yeah, and those buyers agents aren't on the ground, right? Veronica's out every weekend. We're on the ground. We can see, and the market's mm. about to change or correct because we, we can see it, you know, in relation to the buyers and their engagement or not. But there's the brokers that don't have that access to 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 the marketplace mm. generally across the marketplace and and you can't blanket all of the whole of the whole of sydney like that at the end of the day there could be pockets potentially that could go crazy but like we said good houses on good streets on good land will always sell well right yeah houses that are on tricky locations will are still selling quite well in this market because of, of, of the lack of stock so. yeah i think that's where the the problem sometimes buyers make is they pick the wrong buyer's agent. So they'll pick the buyer's agent who's not a local specialist who hasn't got the great relationships with the agents, um, doesn't really know that market that well or hasn't been buying in there recently. And, um, you know, I don't think that agent, that buyer's agent is a little bit fishy out of water as well and they're just wanting to sort of make a deal happen and they can potentially be using what happens in the inner west in the northern beaches or, you know, <laughs> across the board. So yeah, you've got to exactly. be very careful on the buyer's agent selection because, um, you know, they're going to sometimes bring all their beliefs and what they know in their area into another area. And I think that's happening a bit at the moment where people have got multiple suburbs they're looking at because they need to have a big brief because they're so fearful the market's going to keep running on them. That's right. And also, too, don't forget that if they're so busy with their clients, it's like an agent with lots of stock, that they that they want to do a deal to get more clients on board with them too. You know, so, so you know, there's a few agents, you know, that, that, that obviously are keen to churn, churn by making off, strong offers prior to, don't want to wait for auction, you know, yeah. really pushing to try and get things off the market straight away because they know themselves the same, right, that they know they've got a whole bunch of clients behind them that they've got to try and service as well. So, yeah, <laughs> it's that is very interesting because <laughs> I've been saying in the last few weeks I spend more of my time not buying than buying at the moment. It's really, you know, I, I am selling to. It yeah. is frustrating. Yeah, bet, yeah, for sure. I, but, I definitely can see it. But it's also our it's our promise to our clients. You know, we will it's not chin research, and burn. Right? Market research for you guys to be on the ground, seeing what's happening, and and like you said, advising Ooh. correctly. You know, so. That's that's the big challenge. So, Robert, thanks so much for coming along and giving us a bit of the insight into what's going on on the sales agent side of the equation. And um, and it's always good to chat to you. Always good to talk to you too. Thanks, Robert. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. We want you to be a better elephant rider, and this week's elephant rider training is. So I think uh, in 2021, there was a big story that the regions have gone up a lot and we had lots of clients that in 2020, absolutely, they would have bought in Sydney or Melbourne. They would have just bought a house um, or a nice apartment uh, because they needed to be close to the city. And then in 2020, they said, look, you know what, we're willing to go to Central Coast or North of Wollongong or Byron or wherever it might be. Um, but because the good stuff in those markets has moved you know, anywhere, you know, Easily 30%, you know, it could be a lot more than that. Um, those areas are no longer as attractive because they're no longer that much more affordable. And we've just seen a massive shift in clients 
now wanting to buy back in the cities like they would have done, you know, prior to COVID. And, um, you know, what they're wanting is, you know, ideally houses, but even the houses in the outer rings, um, you know, say the Hornsby's or, you know, uh, Cronulla, which is maybe not moving to the regions as much, um, have gone up a lot as well. And so they're going, well, that's no longer an option. Really, I just want to be close to the city and I want a nicer, bigger apartment and sign it the same as what it was in the last boom. So it's very interesting where, uh, you know, you'd think the regions have got this huge amount of runway. They're just going to keep on going up and going up. But once they got that price adjustment, the good stuff, um, people are saying, well, I don't want to commute an hour and a half. Um, I'm not so sure about return to work and whether I'm going to have to go in three days or four days or five days. And um, you know what? Let's just go with what we've always done and buy close to the city. So, um, yeah, if if you were an investor now, for example, and gone and bought an investment property on the Central Coast that wasn't that great or, you know, in Wollongong or some of these other regions, um, you might be finding that you missed the boat. You know, the growth was last year and there isn't that sort of – buyers that are just going to keep on moving up there because the good stuff's run on them. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's like the ripple ref, ripple effect. And then when those ripple suburbs get, they price themselves out of the market effectively or buyers price those, you know, they, they push the prices up to a point where they're no longer attractive. And all of a sudden people think they, they stop for a minute and go, hang on a minute, that suburb that I prefer to live in or that area I prefer to live in, that's actually sort of better value compared to this now. And we see that on a micro level just within, say, even within the inner west. You used to see it with Anadal and Leichhardt. It was this sort of thing that used to happen that people, yeah. buyers really want to be in Anadal, but then they they go to Leichhardt because they couldn't afford Anadal. It's the next suburb, but it's not as nice and you got more flight noise. And um, and so then they push prices up in Leichhardt and then all of a sudden everyone's just saying, hang on a minute. Annandale's looking really affordable now. Back to go to Annandale. And Leichhardt waits again until Annandale becomes unaffordable. And so that what you're saying is that you're seeing that with your clients and so, starting to see some of that that in terms of that behaviour, that that ripple in a, in a greater extent, you know, that going outside of the, the CBD and, and outside of the suburbs and outside of the Sydney ring. Or city base. Yeah, exactly. They're looking at the prices and going, well, I could have bought there for 900 mm. now it's 1.2 or 1.4. And, um, you know, and so they're going, well, do I really want to be that, there? <laughs> do I really want to commute? Maybe we yeah. can get a really nice apartment, you know, for 1.3 and be around our friends and don't have to make that lifestyle shift just yet. You know, family's still a few years away. And um, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, well, the, the Central Coast is a great place to invest right now. Well, it was in 2020 if you got in prior to the – but, you know, a lot of the stuff's pretty average compared to the good stuff and the good stuff's gone up a lot. So are you potentially – too late to the boat, to the to the party, I guess. And that's the thing. I think the, the boot camp really here is around be very, very careful when you're chasing affordability because if the only reason someone's going there is because they can't afford something better, then then they're going to evacuate that market as the minute, um, you know, conditions change. And so there has to be lots and lots of other reasons why people want to go there uh, other than just affordability or just, you know, um, proximity to work, for instance, and and you know there has to be the lifestyle, and it has to be the type of property in that area. So the location within the area, but also the type of property within that location that is going to be on you know have ongoing appeal to buyers or a wide uh, spectrum of buyers. And I think that's really the boot camp is remembering keeping your eye on that rather than the panic of just trying to find somewhere affordable. Especially if it's these regions, because what's driving their prices are people are leaving the capital city mm. to move to the region. And so if the people stop coming from the capital city, then the growth will stop. And so, um, you know, you haven't got that really strong regional market that's 
people are buying within and upgrading. Um, and so maybe the income growth's not there or et cetera. So you need the people to keep on coming because they want to move there. And so at some point they stop coming because it's no longer as affordable as, you know, staying close to the city, which is usually their preference. So, um, yeah, I can see the region is nowhere near performing as well as the capital cities, which is what the sort of data is already showing. And um, we could see that happening late last year. Yep. join us for our next episode and we're going to find out all about the pros and cons of moving to the regions from the cities. We're interviewing Kirsten Cray. She's a property journalist who has made her own sea change and also has been interviewing a lot of other people who have made the change to really uncover the challenges that they have been facing and what it takes to make a successful sea or tree change. But also some little hints there as to whether property prices in these areas will be sustainably high or not. If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.